David Yarrow is a world-renowned fine art photographer who took his first globally recognized photo at the age of 20. That was a photo of soccer star Diego Maradona clutching the World Cup trophy after winning the tournament in Mexico in 1986. After working the World Cup and the Olympics, he left his photography career for one in finance. Now, Yarrow is once again a professional photographer among the list of recognizable fine art producers, shooting everything from wildlife to landscapes to celebrities and models. He works in the Four Corners and the American West often. His work highlights buildings and architecture from the mining towns like Durango and Telluride, among other regional attractions. He was recently in Durango on a shoot just outside Hesperus, Colorado. I met him at the Sorel Sky Gallery in Durango, where his work is currently on display. This episode of Beyond the Headlines is brought to you by Fast Science Durango. I met Yarrow in his room at the gallery, and given the range his work spans, I asked if there was any rhyme or reason to how he schedules his trips to the area. We think that uh, snow adds an extra character for free in a, in a storytelling image. So if you're trying to tell a story in one photograph, any elements you can get for free are quite handy. John Ford used to say that Monument Valley gave him a character for free, and Snow gives me an extra character for free. I would uh, much rather come to Durango in the winter than the summer, and I know a lot of people love the summer here, but I can tell more stories with Snow. How does a photographer from Scotland come to fall in love with Durango, the American Southwest, etc.? Well, I think, I think the second half of the 19th century in America is the greatest story ever told. Uh, it's a metaphor for human endeavor and maybe making sacrifices and compromises in your life for your future generations within your family. So I think it's a story which resonates um, all around the world, which is why there's a category of film called Westerns, which you know I know had a bit of a lull in probably the 1980s and 1990s. And, 2000s, but I think Westerns, thanks to the likes of Kevin Costner, Harrison Ford, Taylor Sheridan, are, are very much back in vogue now. So the fact that I've been drawn to Durango doesn't uh, make me the exception, I think it makes me more the rule. Um, it's a great canvas in which to, to tell stories. To that point, in doing my research for this, I came across the shot, a shot that was, I don't know, for some reason it, it did impact me particularly, and it was the one called Manifest Destiny. Oh, yeah. Was that taken here? It was. It was taken about a third of the way up on the Durango-Silverton uh, track, just past Rockwell. I always remember that morning because I know the, the, I know the train track well, and we've researched it, but that bend is, is well known in all the postcards. But if you shoot into the light, um, within about 20 minutes after sunrise, you can get some interesting... Um, silhouettes and shapes and colors and uh, all I remember about that day is how cold it was it was about minus 25 up there um, but luckily everyone I knew in that image the Native American and the people running the train they all knew me so we could work quickly and efficiently it was cold there. in terms of developing relationships with groups like Native Americans how have you maybe learned what some of the keys are to do that and, and to do that better over the course of your career? I think uh, it's very important to emotionally invest in people and 
talk not about what I do, but what they do. Um, I think in this era of 2024 or 2023, in terms of political correctness, you have to, just about everything you're doing as an artist, you have to think maybe more carefully than in 20,000 or a millennium. Um, with me, with, with Native Americans, there is this whole issue of, um, when well, social media, of, of uh, appropriation or patronization. And to me, the number one thing you always go back to is what do they think? All that matters is not what 20-year-old people in Starbucks thumping away on a computer think. It's what the chief that you're there with right now. And anything that serves to celebrate their heritage is something that they emphatically embrace. Hmm. So if you were, I'm not, and I've got to, to make any claims to be, uh, I stand on the shoulders of giants like Edward Curtis. Um, but just because we're in 2024 doesn't mean that you can't ask uh, the leaders of, of um, many different uh, Native American tribes to celebrate their heritage and dress up. Let's face it, they do it anyway every summer. Um, you go to somewhere like the Santa Fe Art Market, it is a celebration of their culture. But the key thing is always to ask them first, what do they think, are they okay with this? And if they say yes, I don't really care what the person in Starbucks in San Francisco says. Speaking of people, I walk into your room, which is at the Sorrel Sky Gallery in Durango, and I see quotes from people like Tom Brady, Cindy Crawford. Who's the most interesting person you've worked with? And I guess a part B to that question would be, have you ever been starstruck? <laughs> uh, less, less and less, but I'm always incredibly humbled by the people that I meet. And the one thing that people, I find that people that have got to the top, uh, the one thing they all share is work ethic. There's very few people that I know that have got to the top that are lazy. And most of them have impeccable manners. Um, I always tell people that fame doesn't really pull people away from the human race. Famous people have family issues, have medical issues, have uh, uh, things that aren't going 100% well in their lives. And so they're just like you and I. Um, but I think that you don't want to waste their time. Uh, I mean, I've, had, I've been very fortunate to meet a, a lot of people over the last two or three years. I gave, a, I gave a speech recently and I came on after Condoleezza Rice and I thought, that's a bit of a hospital pass coming on after <laughs> Madam Secretary uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, and I had, had the fortune of having lunch with uh, George W. actually in Dallas. And uh, that was a great honor uh, to, to have lunch with a two-time president. Um, we photographed with John McEnroe this year. He's an American icon, uncompromising. Uh, and that's good, it's a challenge. You want, to be, you want to be at your best with stuff like that. So should I assume that you'd rather shoot some majestic beast than a celebrity? I don't think it has to be either or. If you say to someone, what's your favorite food? And they say, I love Italian. Um, and two days later, you ask them whether you'd want to go and have some sushi. They're, not, they're probably not going to say no. So I think it's it, what's in front of the camera shouldn't bend back and affect your ability to be uh, creative. If I was told I had to photograph rhinos for the rest of my life in Africa, 
I think I would be um, in a state of quite a bit of pain because hmm. creatively I wouldn't I'd wonder where I was going to get my energy from if I was told I had to photograph uh, uh, an American golfer that one of the, whoever choose an American golfer and asked to photograph him for the rest of my life I think we'd both the golfer and me would both be upset about that so I think you just need variety talking about the the things in front of your lens maybe makes a good transition for us to talk about the beginning of your career a little bit, which is pretty interesting story to tell you. Your iconic photo came, I believe you were age 20 when you took Maradona at the world cup. And that led to what? Uh, it led to, uh, a sense that I had to continue the journey and, and led to being able to go and do things like the Olympics and, big golf tournaments and then big other big football matches and, and whatever. Um, but uh, I got exposure to the international press community. So if you're going to a big event um, that is in some city for two weeks, you're with 500, 700, 1,000 other journalists and photographers. And you get to know a little bit about the life of those people. Uh, I had some reservations about wanting to sports photography being my career, partly because there were so many really able sports photographers. Uh, You look at the American football games at the weekend and you can imagine the number of photographers around the pitch trying to get a picture. It's very difficult to to stand out. Um, So I chose a different option career-wise after that, but I never put the cameras away. I just tried to grow up. I think it's very difficult when you're 20 to know what you want to do. Relatively early in your career, after the World Cup, after the Olympics, did you ever think this is pretty pretty unreal for someone with my age? Or just does the, the cloud of youth kind of make you ignorant to that? I think uh, it's a good, good question. And the reality is, and I'm not being self-deprecating, I wasn't a good photographer. Um, I think there are very, very few great photographers when they're 20 because photography is not about a camera. It's about a a kind of outer manifestation of your inner soul. It's about emotion. And most people I know are more emotionally intelligent when they're 40 than when they're 20. Um, So given that, it's very unlikely that someone's a poorer photographer when they're 40 than when they're 20. I use the example a bit of golf in that I've been playing golf all my life, but I'm certainly worse now uh, than I was when I was 17 around the greens. I, could, I would always try and get down in two, and now if I get down in two, I'm champagne. Um, photography is the opposite of that. I think that my pinch myself I'm here was coupled with another emotion of having to get better. And I think at the time, the second emotion overruled, was overweighted the first emotion. So rather than me turning around, isn't it amazing I'm going to the Olympics? I was looking at other photographers and saying, God, they're so much better than me, which I think is the right approach to have. I still have that, by the way. With signs and graphics, you can say anything, do anything, be anything. Bright ideas, brilliantly executed, can turn the mundane into the marvelous. Power your business visibility with custom promotional items and high-quality embroidery services from Fast Signs of Durango. 
visit us at 67 Settle Street in Bodo Park, online at fastsigns.com, or give us a call, 970-247-8000. So did I hear you right your last answer? You said essentially you chose another career? Yep. What did you go into? I went into Wall Street. Um, I worked uh, for Deutsche Bank, um, and I, I um, moved over to New York. I set up, um, before people really knew what they were, I set up Hedge Fund in 1997. Uh, and I ran that for about 15 years, employed a lot of people, um, ran quite a bit of money, um, had some good times, had some bad times. But uh, when the subprime crisis hit in 2006-07, it kind of put pay to our business a little bit. But I always had my cameras close to me, and when I was going through periods of wanting to get away from the office, I wouldn't be on a boat or playing tennis or golf in the Hamptons. I would be somewhere like Greenland or Antarctica. So um, it was a second career, and, and, and uh, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life, but knowing to, when I went and decided to go full back time back into photography, and, 2008, 2009, it was, uh, my decision to go back was uh, the best decision I've, I've taken in my life. The only issue is that photography is a very tough industry to make money in. Um, everyone's a photographer these days and um, I had a marriage that hadn't worked out, had two kids going through school. Uh, had to look after the marriage that didn't work out. So if you say on January the 1st that as a, if you're going to be a photographer and in order to pay bills because of whatever your previous life order, that you have to earn $400,000 a year just to break even, that kind of really focuses the mind on on how you're gonna do that. So I spent months and months working on a business model that would allow me eventually to do that. There's that kind of famous anecdote where musicians, once they, you know, it's their love, once they turn pro, that takes the love away once it becomes a job. It sounds like that's not the case for you. You're still talking about photography like you have a romantic view of it. Oh, I'm very passionate about it. Um, it's an interesting question that if you're a, a golfer and on a Monday morning when it's weather is dreadful and you go and put 300 balls in the bunker and the previous year you've earned $10 million as a golfer but on that Monday morning you're putting 300 balls in a bunker are you doing that um, because for the financial aspect of it no um, you're doing it because you want to continue to be the best you can be. And that commitment to the pursuit of excellence, if you like, um, determines whether I think people think it's work or passion. So that, for that golfer, it's not work, it's a passion. And it's his passion to, to remain as good or get better. Uh, and that, that is the way that I am. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you've got a bunch of these today, so let's end with this. You talked about it not being the camera. 
And you've talked about everybody is a photographer nowadays. So I'm going to ask you what your biggest piece of advice is for an amateur photographer. Someone just getting their phone camera out. What do you think the, the thing they can do that would most improve their work would be? I think that's quite an easy one because we are all photographers. So there is huge plurality of content. Uh, I see pictures every day. I go, wow, that's a great picture. That's a good picture. In order to compete with that plurality, what some people do is that they, every day, they release a new picture. Look what I took. This what I took yesterday. This, look what I took the day before. If you go up that mountain in Peru, Machu Picchu, whatever, it takes, what, a week to go up there? So some people would go up there and they would post 50 pictures. So you're kind of saying that almost once every one and a half hours, you took a great picture. And then they're not all going to be good. They might be, mean something to you, but you remove uh, that electricity with your client base or with the people that are following you. So if I can take five good pictures, I started 2024, get five good pictures this year, maybe six. Wow. So one every two months. Get rid of this idea that you can do one every one and a half hours. So many things have to coalesce. A good picture is a picture whereby if it gets destroyed and you don't have the memory anywhere, you don't have saved it and it's destroyed forever. A good picture is one where you won't speak to anyone for a week. You'll just wander around in a daze, uh, tearful, that you've been so bloody stupid, you've lost that picture forever. So if you put that test against every picture, that will whittle down the number of pictures that uh, you think are that good. All right, David, continued success. Thanks for the chat. And um, if you're in Durango in the summertime, let's play around. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, Cheers. Sir. Thanks again to David Yarrow and Sorel Sky Gallery, where Yarrow's work is currently on display. And Fast Signs Durango for making this episode of Beyond the Headlines possible. Theme music is written by Alexander Nakareda. 